and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Divorce. I'll be joined by Carmen Payton, a community pioneer and a mother of seven children. Now a grandmother and in her second marriage, Carmen and I discuss what it's like to have to leave a violent relationship, what she wished she had known before, and what life is like after the horizon of divorce. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Hi, Carmen. Welcome to Let's Be Honest. How are you? Thank you. I'm really well. I'm so (laughs) glad to be here. I always feel like when I introduce people, it's like, okay, the nerves start, and then we get into it, and it's fine. It's, so it's going to be okay. It's going to be great, and your family, so yes. it's okay. Yes. We should tell everyone how we know each other. We are cousins. We're cousins. We are the first third cousin family member. No, we're... With your mother. Yes, first cousin once removed, that's what we are, because <laughs> you're my mother's first cousin. Yeah. How was that growing up, like, you know, with, with our family? Because that's... Uh, story in a time I didn't get to experience because I wasn't born yet so what was what was it like growing yeah, up with yeah. my family well your mother's family lived kind of all over and in, in some different fun places Texas yeah. and California but there was this really sweet time where we all lived in Florida together really near each other I didn't know you lived in Florida yes as a matter of fact I think that's why they moved there we were there and they came and oh. um and yeah, your mom was in high school, and mm-hmm. um, I was look closer to her younger sister, mm-hmm. and I were really close in age. Um, so I looked up to your mom because she was so cool. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it was just really neat. Our families, um, we just love big and love well and love loud, and mm-hmm. and so we we had a lot of good times together. Yes, there is something particularly special about our family. <laughs> we were joking about it last night because we're obviously here in North Carolina at your amazing home Thank recording you. this yeah. and we're like wow the the Hill family really just love to love and love to share and <laughs> not a lot of boundaries not a lot, <laughs> not a lot of restrictions but it, and sometimes that's like whoa and to other people it's like whoa but to us it's just amazing over sharing yeah over cuddling yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic it's great it's good it's a good family unit yeah so our topic today is something that's obviously a a difficult topic which is the whole point of this podcast Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about divorce Mm -hmm. and what it means that what that word means to you know end a marriage to to separate a family to to get out of something that you know you stand up and say till death do us part and then a new situation arises and you decide that that's not what's going to happen anymore and that's a really difficult thing Mm -hmm. and so many people go through it Mm -hmm. whether you've been divorced yourself or your parents have been divorced or members of your family you know everyone knows someone who's who's been divorced and impacted by it yeah Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say it's really a taboo subject in certain um cultures or sectors of of society it is really taboo and like you you just don't do it but it's a pretty common accepted thing Mm -hmm. you know there's not a lot of um backlash within society of you know when people say i'm getting divorced you know there's not really a big well you said forever and you know people sort of accept it now there's it's not as uh maybe harsh as it was decades ago so we're going to just talk about your journey and, and how that led up to that. So what was it like deciding that you were going to get married in the first place? Yeah, that's that's an interesting topic. Your aunt, who was um, also in this podcast, Boston, was my um, maid of honor. And we were very close growing up and are still. And, um, and it was an exciting time, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you... It's... 
you're in love and everything's wonderful and you're seeing things through rose-colored glasses too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think that's a big part of, everybody's had this experience of where there's those things that give you pause or maybe you're a red flag, but Mm -hmm. you're like, but... I love them. Mm. It's okay. That's not that big of a deal. And mm. and there are so many things that aren't that big of a deal that you can just kind of learn to live with or overlook because we all have our kind of our thorns and our flaws. But mm-hmm. but um, it was a really fun time in life. It was before children and responsibilities, and we were in college and mm-hmm. um, you know just traveling, seeing lots of live music and um, lots of good good friend group and mm-hmm. um, in Atlanta and. Is you know, there's yeah. great live music in Atlanta, am I right? Yeah. yeah what so. time period was that? Was it the 90s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was early 90s. We were married in 92. Wow. So, um... And how did that um, proposal or engagement process go? Like, did, did your then-husband ask you to get married? Had you just sort of said, oh, we know we're going to, and it was like a mutual decision? Yeah. Like, what was that like? Yeah. Um, ours is not super romantic, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Maybe that was that was foreshadowing. Um, but we... Um, and we also, we were planning a uh, through hike of the Appalachian Trail. So yeah. we were kind of in the process of doing a lot of hiking and um, really very, very mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had gone to visit my parents who at that time lived in Denver, Colorado. He stayed behind to get his wisdom teeth out. Um, kind of that absence makes the heart grow fonder really realize like, wow, I really miss her. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can live without her. Mm-hmm. And so when I got back and we were living at that time, I think in his brother's basement, because there again, we were just about to head out to, to do this long distance hike. Um, and he's just like, I'm never going to find anybody better than you. Let's mm-hmm. get married. Wow. And, and what did you basement. say? I said, let's do it. Right. Yeah. And how long had you been together before that uh, moment happened? We met in 1990. Okay, so, so a good two years. Two years before we, yeah. Wow. And did you end, yeah, no, I know you did, but you ended up going on the on the trail. We how did much hike. of it did you 18, end up doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hiked from Georgia to Connecticut. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That's insane. How many miles? So, is and that? then the end of the trail is in Maine. So we didn't do Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, but um, we actually set out twice the first year um he hurt his knee within the first um 100 miles Mm. pretty significantly and we hobbled through another 100 or 200 miles we realized we need to get off get it rehabilitated got married Mm. and then um got back on with sort of this mindset of the journey is the destination right and just instead of just hiking every day with the goal of getting to the end Mm -hmm. of the at we um, did a lot of hiking, but we also did a lot of swimming holes and meeting locals and, wow. you know, that kind of stuff too. So it was, it was that sounds insane. Adventure. And like, just, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, yeah, by the way, I'll, yeah, I'll come back. Amazing. <laughs> like just the 90s, Atlanta music. You know, would yeah. you describe yourself at that time or still today as a hippie? I was definitely hanging out with a lot of hippies. Yeah. I don't think I fully succumbed to, to maybe, but definitely I'm it's a free a spirit. Hippie thing to I'm do. Free, yeah, yeah, I'm a free, free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Just, that sounds so... I'm a conservative hippie. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you might present yourself to the world that but I know. You, you know <laughs> like, the real Yeah. Thing, yeah. You know. <laughs> that just sounds amazing. I mean, I think, you know, going to do my two, three mile walk. I'm like, all right, I already did it. You're yeah. doing like a hundred, two miles a day. That's insane. Wow. And that time where you're secluded and you're really just mm-hmm. with that person and not only just with that person, but you're, you're doing something really tough and it's, um, you know, a hard thing. Sometimes yeah. it's, you know, you could be with your best friend, but when you're in a really hard situation, you know, rifts can arise. But what was that like? Did, do you feel like that 
um, prepared you for a certain type of marriage, that really like concentrated time. Yeah, that's that's so insightful on your part because there is kind of a saying that if a couple can survive hiking the trail together, their marriage will survive mm. because it's way harder in many ways. Yeah. There's so many life and death situations with right. nature yeah. and storms and things like that that you really do. Um, and just you get physically exhausted in ways that are or not everyday life sure. um, and, and sort of push to the end of yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was, there was a, what would I say? A really great chance that our marriage would survive because we survived hiking right. long distance There's literal together. and mm-hmm. metaphorical peaks and valleys. And yeah. How, yeah. It's funny because what I'm envisioning as you're talking about that is, you know, sort of two parallels, like here's the, the physical actual trail and the journey of walking it. Mm-hmm. And then there's your marriage and there's these, you know, hard times, that run across each mm-hmm. each of them there's good times there's things you've got to work out as a couple like mm-hmm. you, what you want to talk about team building or like marriage practice, right. that's got to be one of the ultimate ways right wow. right so obviously so, your, your first marriage ended in divorce and that that wasn't yeah. something that's not something you're still in what was the what were the early days like did you have children quite quickly or mm-hmm. did you just have married life for a while were the issues quite early on or what was that experience like for you in the early days Mm -hmm. yeah um well I would say that there I almost called the the wedding off so there were there were some there were some signs that I put should have paid attention to early on in particular addiction he was struggling with addiction um even in in his college days Mm. and um it was something that I thought he would grow out of or that he um would get a handle on and it it didn't have such a bad we had friends who had a hold on in a way that they were truly dysfunctional right and his was kind of a functional addiction could hold a job down and Mm. and hike the at and 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 get married but um there were just these moments where it really got a hold of him and then it he was a dysfunctional human and and so you know there were just lots of promises made and i'll never do that again and that sort of thing and Mm. so we did obviously get married um and then our early days after we hiked, we um, came. We moved to Colorado to uh, finish our degrees. We were kind of mid undergrad, and um, pretty shortly after getting there, we um, got pregnant with my firstborn. Mm. And um, and so he pretty quickly like just started working to earn some money, and I started working to earn some money, and we put our degrees on hold and started our family, and had. Um, kind of one right after another, 18 months apart, the first two children. And and so that's, we, we quickly landed into, mm-hmm. instead of kind of degree and career yeah. and where we thought we were headed into just right. sort of like blue collar, working hard jobs and living in a tiny house and just mm-hmm. sort of struggling. And that may have been a part of, um, you know, the pressure cooker that, right. that our marriage was in. Yeah. yeah. I think I've never been married, but I think a lot of people foresee their life being a certain way and then as life always does Mm -hmm. goes nope that's not the plan you know kind of like god laughs our plans (laughs) you know and and you've you've got to readapt and that's a really difficult thing to do because i think as humans we really love routine and we love when Mm -hmm. our plans follow through and it it takes a special type of person to just really be like yeah wherever the wind takes us is is cool and we'll you know figure it out some people might be able to think that way like yeah it's okay but when it comes down to it like if you get pregnant before you think you're going to or you know, somebody loses a job or money's not where you thought it was right. like those are hard things to navigate when you're not 
planning on them. They really are. Yeah. And they're things that you want to pay attention to when things don't go the way life you think life will and how people respond to that because it's easy to be wonderful and charming when you're just having fun mm. and there's no responsibility and there's no responsibility yeah. that's right anyone could get along sure. if all you've got to do is you know date and go do fun stuff and you know that yeah. that's really really easy to just go oh yeah that person's awesome you know it, it's if you're the type of person who says, I do want to get married and you get the severity of marriage and I use the word severity, not like it's a, you know, I don't like the phrase, you know, oh, that's my old ball and chain or, you know. But the intensity. Yes. Like it's not, you shouldn't look at marriage and a, a good marriage and obviously every marriage is different, but it shouldn't feel mm-hmm. like a trap or, you know, this horrible thing that you can't get out of or a prison, but understanding that it is an arena with intense emotions. You're bringing two people together two different sets of ideas, goals, personalities, baggage, trauma, child, like that's a lot in one, you know, as you said, pressure cooker. And if you're just dating someone and all you've done is just fun things and you're great friends and you're just doing all of these, you know, awesome stuff and you go, I'm so in love with you, let's get married. I think a lot of times why it goes wrong is because people get smacked in the face with reality and go, oh dear, well, when we were dating, we didn't have to deal with bills and finances and now children and extended family and all of these things that you weren't prepared for. It's kind of like going into a battle and missing a humongous chunk of training. Mm-hmm. And then you're, mm-hmm. you can't really blame the soldier for not being prepared. You've mm-hmm. got, to, And then in that situation, they go off of instincts or, mm-hmm. you know, the best they can. Mm-hmm. So how much um, value would you put on, you know, couples who are thinking about getting married now? Like what sort of things should you be doing before you actually get married that would better prepare you yeah um well I mean I think like kind of what you're saying is is watching someone evaluate difficult things maybe Mm. being together long enough Mm -hmm. you know to kind of watch that you need to get in a couple of really big fights right (laughs) and how do you handle conflict resolution and and then possibly you know see and be real I'm a big fan of premarital counseling Mm -hmm. and let a a wise mediator help you delve into other things from past marriages or your childhood Mm -hmm. that are um um, really causing you to operate yeah. in a broken way and, and how do you address that as a couple? Not that you can't because we've all got those things that we're working through for life, but um, yeah. just being aware of it and, yeah. and doing it well. And that's where like I was pretty surprised that um, that mine ended in divorce or that went the way that it did because of how much hard things that we yeah we handled when we were hiking that was supposed to be the the te- the litmus test right. and and we we handled a lot of hard things but it also was its own little special thing in that we were completely apart from society mm-hmm. and um we Maybe did have the freedom reality. of hiking yeah. so it wasn't reality that's right and then um you know because of addiction played a key um you know there he was apart from that yeah. uh, influence as well and so that was different yeah. than the day-to-day mm. working hard at yeah. your blue collar living with the disappointment of mm. not having the career that you thought you were going to have yeah. or I think a lot, a lot of it is you know how involved are you in self development mm-hmm. I think that's a really big thing that's waving through society now is mm-hmm. you know there's this there's this meme on social media that I love that you know it's um 
you know, someone asking someone on a date and, and, you know, the millennial response is, well, you know, how focused on you are, you know, on healing your, you know, ancestral traumas and your, you know, childhood package. Like that's what, you know, young people are like interested now. No one asked those questions before. No one said the the phrase ancestral trauma that I want. And now, you know, people are aware of it. And I think that's good. good. Yeah. Uh Because, you know, going back to the, the idea that it's two people with, you know, two full lives and Mm -hmm. you know psyches and and Mm -hmm. histories coming together how healed are you as an individual how aware are you of your ancestral traumas and personal brokenness you Mm -hmm. know how how conscious are you of of needing to put those pieces back together to to be a good partner to the other person you know Mm -hmm. that's sort of my personal um mindset right now is that you know I get like edgy about marriage like do I really want to to go into that you know I'm not in a position where I'm thinking about it right now but I think well if I do ever get to that point I do want to be as put back together and healed and mm-hmm. aware of my stuff as possible yeah so that I can be a good good partner to the other person and you know I'd like to get to the point where you know and people say like it hit, it comes when you least expect it you know that sure. kind of thing love or, or whatever um and I think that that's because when you're really focused on yourself not in a selfish way but just getting yourself together and you're at the point where you kind of go well if I'm alone I'd be all right you know I've got yeah I've got, I'm Make okay a piece with it yeah with me. as an individual I can walk through this world on my own if I have to and then at that point you're probably more likely to be a good partner to somebody for sure you know so how because you're not looking for that person to complete you exactly you're just bringing you yeah it's two holes instead of the table two mosaics kind of coming together and trying to make a new shape Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that's a really idealistic way to look at it it's a lot messier and hard harder than that in real life and in reality but so in terms of self actualization and, and development how far along in that journey do you think you and your then husband were before you got married or do Mm -hmm. you think you needed to have done a lot more work than you were doing yeah yeah no we were we had no idea who we were right yeah how much of a we were just think that played we were just having having fun and and um, having fun together Mm -hmm. so um that 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 played a huge piece of it and I'll say that not to jump ahead but I don't know this is this is a circle and not a line mm-hmm. of a story. So um, it was a hu- realizing that on the other end mm. of a failed marriage mm-hmm. um, is why I chose to be single for seven years mm. and and just work on me. Yeah. You know, just be me, be okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated all the way through, you know, high school and college and just right. kind of was one of those who always had a boyfriend yeah. kind of thing yeah so I spent some time thinking about that like why mm-hmm. and and um and spent a lot of time alone mm-hmm. and healing before yeah. I chose to that's amazing get back into relationship but. what some of the what were some of the specifics that you did to heal and get to a place because you know you're you're married again and, and you have a yeah. wonderful lovely marriage now what happened between year one and year seven of marriage number one ending and marriage number two beginning Mm -hmm. did you do as a woman as a mother as an individual to feel like you were then at the point okay I could give this another shot Mm -hmm. um well I don't 
I don't know that I had a great conscious decision and I would love to back up and, and tell kind of the end of the marriage story. But I will say that, um, for me personally, um, I'm always trying to listen to God Mm -hmm. and say, what is, what do you, what's next? What Mm -hmm. you mean? You're all knowing and all powerful speak to me and because I don't fully understand the situation. And so, um, so I just spent a lot of time, and I also had seven children. I don't know if we mentioned that. We so That's probably a, a big thing to th- There you go. I, I had seven children, and the youngest was one, mm. and the oldest was 15 when I became a single parent. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, so I had babies and um, and toddlers mm-hmm. and all the way up to, you know, high schooler. Mm-hmm. And your first husband is the father of all seven father of those children. Father of all seven. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so it, I just needed to be mom. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they were going through this trauma as well mm. of, and no fault of their own, you know, with children, minds and hearts and, and all mm. the difficult things that go along with that. So a big part of me healing was just stopping and doing only one thing. Right. Like I stopped gardening and I stopped, you know, and I didn't even consider dating and I just was trying to as best as I could love their hearts through it so that they could heal as well. Yeah. Uh, but then I got to a place where I went through some big life events and, you know, I, I had a scare with breast cancer, ended up having a double mastectomy. And at that time, while I was healing from that surgery, not in any shape to date, but I felt like I heard God say, you're going to live and I want you to live. Mm. And I was I just had a new thought, like yeah. I'm supposed to start dating again. Mm. So went online, and maybe we can circle back around yeah. to this part of the story. But yeah, we can uh, talk we about hear all of it. Yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, such yeah. a great story. <laughs> you know, your your children are. I know your pride and joy, and you love them, mm-hmm. and and not thinking of them as individual because obviously their children are never to blame for a divorce. Mm-hmm. But how much of taking on the role of mother so quickly and mm-hmm. so consistently? Mm-hmm you know, did that take you away from being quote unquote wife, you know, of like, mm-hmm. not that, not That's that you need to question. be like, you know, because no. obviously it's well known. I'm, you know, a feminist and believe in women's equality and that you're not just a mother and a, and a wife and that's your role. But you know, you, you do, if you enter into a marriage, you do play the, the role of wife and that is, you know, a responsibility. So, but how difficult was that to have seven kids and be a wife? Right. Well, they came one at a time. Mm. So, you know, it start that, that whole thing started evolving with just one right. and two and three. Um, so a big thing that happened there, I believe, was that, and this happens a lot of times, where the mother evolves because the instincts kick in so mm. hardcore for the mom. The baby grows in you, the baby comes out of you, you're nursing the baby, you're taking it, you know, and it's just kind of like this role that you instinctually mm. move into. And I think for fathers, a lot of times, not there's wonderful, wonderful nurturing fathers, yeah. I know many, um, and, and my my ex-husband was a very nurturing father, but there was a conflict there between, um, you know, he was such a free spirit. He was the the hiker who had the hiker dream, the long distance hiking and go and do and, and, and see the live music. And that was a big part of who he was. Mm-hmm. And that came to a screeching halt. Did he have resistance? For me. because I was home with the children Mm. and for him some and for him not some so a lot of that like he still continued to be that person Mm. and trying to fulfill or look for fulfillment um, in being 
you know, having fun and, and doing what was um, fulfilling to him in that way, yeah. but was no longer, um, yeah. a choice for me because I had a yeah. baby or two of or three course. at home. Did you have resentments about that? Heck yeah. Mm. Heck yeah. So, you know, there were lots of times where, uh, he wasn't showing up and mm. I was towing the line and, yeah. and I was real angry. And I'll say that I did real damage to the marriage early on. He was doing damage by being absent, but I was doing damage in the, in the like, attacking way that I responded to it rather than saying I'm really hurt I really Mm. need help Mm. I please come and help me do this I was like I can't believe you doing this I'm so mad what is Mm. wrong with you you're Mm. broken why aren't you showing up why aren't you and so some of the like I would say ego damage that I did in Mm. those early years Mm -hmm. um I don't think he ever recovered from yeah it's amazing how much our response and reactions to things can affect other people and yeah i think it really is true the statement of you know you can't control somebody else all you can control is your reaction to the situation that's right and that's you know fucking difficult when you're just like you're supposed to be the one to my two in addition to me and like where are you you know that i can completely empathize with like how resent resenting and you know Mm -hmm. angry you would feel about that Mm -hmm. you know and anger is a really horrible toxic thing and sometimes you need to be angry but when it festers it is a difficult thing you know yeah I will say that I grew in that way Mm -hmm. like I really did realize um that I needed to grow as yeah. a human and how I responded to it. And I would say that in the end of our marriage or drawing to the end, when we were getting into like six and seven kids, um, I started responding with, wow, um, you missed a good dinner. Mm-hmm. Kids and I did this great thing tonight. Can I make mm-hmm. you a sandwich? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and trying to respond in love. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this when you're sober and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but it it's still at that point, it didn't go well that didn't go well either and that's when it really started to become apparent that it wasn't all about like well you did this thing Mm -hmm. and then I yelled at you and so then you know this is our dance even when the dance changed Mm -hmm. um it got it got more and more broken Mm -hmm. um and that's when um that's when why we're really divorced um you know, there were there were things that were hard, like addiction and infidelity. But the trifecta, the thing that that caused us to absolutely not be able to be together, was violence. Mm. And um, I didn't realize that until after we separated. Really. Um, mm-hmm. So when when the violence was showing up actively within the marriage, what was your mindset? Were you just like this is I guess a part I, of it, or didn't think about it? Right. I just thought that like you know, well, the fight got got too intense mm-hmm. or um that I guess I thought well you know because of the addiction side of it it's mm-hmm. like well if you were sober it wouldn't be this way so right. the, the addiction was the the foundational issue and if that was out of the way then you sh- you would never in your mm-hmm. right mind act in this other way yeah um but when I when I did know that I had to leave mm-hmm. even though I had seven children and babies and mm-hmm. I was a stay-at-home mom with no didn't finish my college degree and all mm-hmm. of those things stacked against me but knew that I had to um I went to an organization called First Step mm-hmm. their branch of United Way mm-hmm. and I had a friend recommend it I didn't know what it was but I thought well yeah I have no idea what my first step is I'll go to First Step that sounds good <laughs> that sounds pretty practical <laughs> yeah let's do it and I'm thinking like 
I need housing, mm-hmm. right? Like, is this is it going to be a HUD program? Or I, I don't even know what the programs are out there. Habitat, you know, mm-hmm. I've had, had friends volunteer. Um, but first step deals with domestic violence. I didn't realize, but as I told my story and I'm blah, 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 you know, infidelity this and blah, 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 addiction that. And I'm telling my story and the counselor looks at me and says, this is, dom- this is classic domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I remember like that kind of, light bulb you know just Mm -hmm. sort of i imagined it over my head Mm -hmm. just bing like what yeah what are you talking about and and then she started to show me like charts of um all the things that are part of domestic violence or violent behavior before someone ever touches you can you share with 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 us some of some of those things yes yes i wish i had had looked over it more and and please if you think that this is something that um you as a listener are struggling with just google it because there's really great resources out there but for example um things like um, manipulative behavior control of finances um is a big one um isolating you from friends and family um when you start kind of getting people alone um and, and another big one is like violent speech. So if they're talking about harming your pets a lot, which happened all the time. And I remember thinking that's so over the top. Why are you speaking that way? Or, you know, if, if you would get angry with a coworker and, you, and not just say something like, he's such a jerk, I, I really hate working with him. It's, mm-hmm. I really fantasizing about this is the way I would like to kill that person. Then you realize, and this is what the counselor helped me realize, is that people think, because usually a lot of times violence and addiction will go hand in hand, and Mm -hmm. so the person thinks, well, if the addiction was gone, then the violence would be gone. Mm -hmm. But no, the addiction just loosens the tongue for the violent thoughts Mm -hmm. that are in there already. It's a whole separate issue. Mm -hmm. It's a whole separate issue. And it's always there. Mm -hmm. They just are maybe not speaking about it all the time, and Mm -hmm. then if they're intoxicated in some way... Mm -hmm. um, then it comes out more openly. Um, And then what happens with violence, and this is real scary, and this is why I chose to stay apart from him, even though we had seven children and wanted to try to work it out. And there's a really, really wonderful person there that I fell in love with, you know, and love so many things about. But um, in our situation, the violent um, eruptions were getting um, more intense. There were threats of, you know, harm that were really over the top and um and also closer together Mm -hmm. and and counselors are trained to if they hear it's getting closer together and it's getting more intense and they hear there's certain language that they're listening for that's when people do end up really hurt or dead Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's very very serious situation Mm -hmm. so we put some things in place you know domestic violence um restraining order kind of thing and um yeah just worked really hard right off the bat to create that safe space around me and the children until we could sort things out it's not just you as an individual which obviously your instinct is to protect yourself but now you've got seven seven kids you have to consider right in those moments of you know when the threats were happening and did the threats ever actually materialize well i mean for us there was lots of um the way that the physical was you know it was more like kind of and i'm not the stereotypical poster child for domestic violence because i'm a feisty girl so mm-hmm. i'm like i may go down but not without a fight right. <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of a thing um but like i said when i changed the dance and was like i'm no longer going to yell at you for not coming home mm-hmm. i'm going to try to love on you and see how you respond to that and also was met with violent behavior in those instances yeah, there's nothing you could do to change it that's right that's where like the only person you can change is you yeah and you're still coming after me right 
then there is yes. all I can do is remove yes. myself from the situation. Yeah. And um yeah, I'm sorry, I kinda lost my train where That's we were okay. headed. I was just gonna say in, in those moments of really I think the crock pot's going off. Oh. We're cooking lunch as well. I think it's going off. Um, Mom of seven yeah. has has a food plan. Let's be honest, it's real life. It's okay. Um, you know, in those moments of like real um, threat, mm-hmm. how did you feel? Were you terrified? Were you just so numb to it? You were like used to it and sort of like didn't think much Both. of it. Both. I um, there were many many times. Um, I would say in the last half of our family. So when we started getting up to four and five and six kids which anyway that there were times where it would get intense I would throw all the kids in the car and I would flee to a friend Mm. you know for a night or two and I did that a lot like it was normal right I did it so many times that it's just another coping mechanism it felt normal and and there were fights and wrestling and things like that over keys and phone and and money and stuff like that enough early on that I had that whole planned you know I had I had a phone in my bra I had money and keys hidden away if there were signs that it was he was in a bad mood or things weren't going well or he wasn't showing up and not calling and and things potentially could go down I had a plan I had an exit strategy Mm. and um it's just weird to think back on now because it it was so peaceful now it just yeah it feel like a lifetime or a world ago it really does it's it's hard to judge back up because Mm. because uh, there's been a lot of healing since then but um but yeah it was yeah, I did a lot of... As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that God used to open my eyes to the stepping out was one time we had some family friends over and we were very isolated as part of our um, as part of our um, violent situation. But um, I had a couple over. He was not home. A couple from my church came over and um, he came home really intoxicated and really scary. And I just did some whatever I normally did, like had the oldest child take the younger children into another room, turn a video on, kind of get them as safe and not seeing that happen as possible. And my friend looked at me and said, this is normal for you, isn't it? Like you're not freaked out and reacting the way someone who's not used to this should react. You need help. Mm, Wow, what a brave thing to say. It was. It was was like an emotional slap in the face that Mm, I needed to sort of wake up up to this my re- mm. kind of like the frog in the beaker you know mm. it just got worse and worse and worse and I didn't realize that I was dying mm. you know mm. yeah and there's another thing that I think a lot of women go through especially when you have children involved that is um you know you're going to stay at end for, you're going to stay in for the kids mm. you know I don't want my children to have to suffer through divorce mm. I don't want them to have to yeah. suffer through if we were divorced and he has this crazy behavior are they going to go be with him unsupervised from me or mm. with him and some other woman who he's with and supervised for me and, mm. and you know I just thought like well at least I can be here and yeah. supervise you know yeah. how how it's going and how I long did were that you married for, and did that for 20 years yeah 20 sure. years do you think you would have left sooner if you weren't a mother yes there were several instances where I almost stepped out mm. before and, kids or with kids well before the marriage mm. yep and then kind of in between Mm. there were just these peaks and valleys you know like you described Mm. the trail and so it wasn't like horrible all day every day and so how could you have possibly had seven children I mean obviously there Mm. was lovemaking in between and there were there were periods of peace and and it was good and and there were like steps that he was taking to be sober or have healing and and there were periods Mm. of 
it looks like, okay, we're going to turn a corner here, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it would crash and burn again, you know, so, so in the periods of peace and, and what looked to be growth and, and things like that, you know, we'd have another child and how much of your life before you met him, maybe your parents influence or whoever else you had seen, um, in a marriage, how Mm -hmm. much of that contributed to who you were that led to making these decisions Mm -hmm. to, to put up with so much Mm -hmm. and to keep giving so many chances and to keep thinking it's going to be better. Like what curated you as a person to have that response? Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great question because, um, I can't, my parents are still married to this day and, um, and they have a lovely marriage. They, they've worked through a lot together. Um, and love each other very much. And I, um, my grandparents also, um, on both sides, married um, their whole time. Um, but in particular, my mom's parents, you know, my I know that, that my grandfather um, struggled with addiction, struggled with being um, faithful, and my grandmother just stuck it out. Mm. And I remember when I first started having problems with my ex and her looking at me with the saddest look in her eyes and just like, it's so hard. I know. It's so hard. And a, re- a repeat. You know, we talked at the beginning about ancestral trauma. Ancestral. Yeah. And, and carrying that lineage. And I know that there's people maybe who listen to this, you know, episode and, and who just their response to um, hearing a story like this, you know, will judge quite harshly mm-hmm. of, you know, well, you chose to stay in it or why did you put up with so mm-hmm. much? Why did you keep giving so many chances? Why did you keep having kids with this person? Mm-hmm. But unless you're in it, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And when you're in it, it's so different. Would it be a reasonable way to describe the situation almost like a vacuum? Like you're just in it. That's, you know, yeah. you kind of can't imagine a life without that person or you don't know what really life without that situation is like and you get kind of stuck into it because obviously there was a moment where you chose to pop the bubble and step out yeah did it feel all consuming when you were in it yes absolutely and there again it's like it's a person that I had committed my life to my Mm. faith enters into it and I just really love to say this um if anyone is struggling with that that you know you talked about um well let me just move on with um I'm I'm a Christian I'm a Christ follower. I believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God. Um, God speaks to me, and I love him. So he spoke to me loud and clear through these the, those seven years, especially of, of just being single mom. Um, but, you know, it says in the Bible, God hates divorce. And I think so many, so many people, and, and you talk about being in the bubble and, and just sort of being consumed in this vacuum, and, and you love that person. And then even in addition to loving that person, there, there's like a covenant. There's a promise that you are really committed to, even if it gets hard. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm wor- working on becoming a better person. You're working on becoming a better person. It's I a journey. Fully, yeah. Right, it's a journey. So I fully believed he could overcome the addiction. I fully believed I could forgive him for infidelity and we could work on the other side of it. I have good friends who, who they have a success story on the other side of, of just, mm. you know, a difficult thing like that. Um, and so I was, I was committed to seeing it through, just love him through Mm -hmm. it. And, um, so what got you to saying, you know, my personal belief is X, Y, and Z, but I'm now actually going to do something that technically goes against that. What, what was that actual step of that's it? It's over this time. How did that go? Yeah. Well, part of me hearing from the Lord is, um, you know, in addition to just reading the word, I, I have a lot of dreams, you know, and, um, 
and I have like a, a two-way street relationship with God. And so um, he started talking to me about it. He was the one who was like, it's time to step out. I've got to deal with him now. I need you to go over here. So it became very clear. It became very clear. And there were lots of things, dreams that I was having, the friend who was there who was mm. like, this is normal to you. Enough it's not normal. Yeah, yeah. There were just lots and lots of things that converged that said it's he had gotten to the place where he had to have help apart from me mm. because he was becoming dangerous for me. Mm. And interestingly enough, he was only violent towards me and not the children. Maybe emotionally violent, mm. but but the physical violence yeah. that that was going on was yeah. was really directed towards me. Did the children ever witness acts of physical violence? Mm-hmm. Well, part of his MO was to get me alone. So alone in the bathroom or alone in the basement or that kind of thing. And I learned that pretty early on that um, I would avoid ha- being alone with him if I felt like I saw signs of, of violent behavior. But you were sleeping um, in the same room. We were sleeping in the same room, yeah, yeah. And, and there was a couple times, and this was part of the like waking up, time there at the end where he came in looked like you could tell he was looking for a fight the kids and I are maybe watching a movie together he tells the kids you all need to leave the room I need to talk to your mom and the kids all turn around like in slow motion and look at me like should we leave the room and I tell them no I tell them to disobey their father Mm -hmm. and they don't what a horrible position to put a child in Mm. horrible horrible position to put a child in. but it was and we all knew it was them and me protecting me because I knew he wouldn't act out in a way that was violent if they were in the room. Mm. So that that was another big piece of it. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so sad. So we step yeah. out. We step out. Yeah. Did and, you feel like you could rescue him or change him or fix him? Because I I have mm. a feeling that a lot of a lot of people who are in a marriage in in a situation mm-hmm. like this, whether it's maybe violent or not, maybe mm-hmm. it's you know whatever you know isms as we say in our mm-hmm. in our family like whatever your thing is people think and particularly with with marriage oh they'll change or mm-hmm. i can change them sure and i think the truth is and i'd love to hear your two cents on this particular statement is that people don't change mm-hmm. really the mm-hmm. fundamentals of who they are mm-hmm. um unless they are disclaimer actively working on themselves yeah. unless you're tuned into I want to be self-aware, I want to self-actualize, I want to grow, I'm aware of my brokenness and I want to heal. Unless you're doing that, I think people can change. We've seen reformed addicts and criminals, we've seen people that were once in the prison system and now they're doing amazing community work. I do believe people can change, but not without that important piece. Do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I would say that you know, I did all the prayers and, you know, conveniently leave this book on the coffee table or, hey, let's get together with these friends. Don't they have an interesting story or, mm-hmm. you know, and just tons and tons of things that I did to try and facilitate his healing along the way, mm-hmm. for sure. And and there were little pieces where I saw he wanted to change. It would do like a, a spurt or a try or a, you know what I mean? Um, so I'd just like to add on to that. You can change, but you have to truly want to, first of all, acknowledge that you need to and then want to, but then not just want to, but like you said, work at Mm. it and you have to work at it. You can't just wish it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't work at it for five minutes Mm -hmm. or one week or one month. You have to work at it over a period of time of, and there can be peaks and valleys and, and hard, you know, in that, but a consistent working at it over a period of time and, and then absolutely. But yeah, heads up. If if you think that person is just going to wake up 
keep a different person yeah. because you're wishing it over years. Not it's, gonna it's not going to happen. And isn't that the first step of the 12-step program is admitting you it need is. help? It like, is. You can't change if you don't think you need change. And and it's funny because as you've been talking, the the thing that's been coming up in my mind is like if you're, if you're not in a situation like this and you haven't experienced um domestic violence or or seeing the need for change and and somebody's not doing it it's quite hard to imagine and very easy to judge but the thing that came up in my mind is picture someone in your life that you're really safe with that you just have a real intimacy and that doesn't have to just be um a romantic relationship it could be a family member a friend someone that you're just really safe with you've got great connection you know, they might be your person or just a wonderful person in your life. You have fun with them. Now imagine having all of those things and they stay true in the relationship. But now imagine that person is violent towards you. And it, how confusing is that? You're like, well, wait a minute. I feel really safe with you in these particular pockets of time. And we mm-hmm. have fun and we've got this connection and intimacy. But every once in a while you get really violent or get really drunk and, and it shows up. Like you can imagine then how hard that is to leave if you just picture like well I would never be with a violent person imagine it's someone who's in your life now Mm -hmm. and that violent streak Mm -hmm. shows itself up it's Mm -hmm. easier to imagine how difficult it is to get out of it yeah because you've put so much time into the relationship and you love them and as you said you've made a a promise or whatever it is it's got you in this relationship Mm -hmm. with a friend a family member Mm -hmm. you know your partner whatever it's it's it makes it easier to go oh yeah that is you can imagine it that is difficult to do you know it's so it's good easy to judge yeah unless you're in it yeah you can't but just picture that you know I think that's a helpful way to look at it that's good and it's not and it's it builds Mm -hmm. it doesn't get out of the gate you know yeah Um, you wouldn't be in a relationship with someone that you didn't feel safe with and there were loving times and stuff and so you know and even not just physical violence but let's say emotional violence Mm -hmm. you know you've got someone who at first they love 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 and build you up and you're their favorite person and you're their favorite person and a friendship or relationship or whatever that is and then but then there's that one time they got mad and then they dig and they kind of slam you Mm -hmm. but then oh i'm sorry and you go over it and you love 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 and and then the next time they dig and slam you and slam your character Mm. and then the next time you know and then there's less of an apology and Mm -hmm. and then the next time there's more of a a dig and a slam and they slam your character and they slam your parents for Mm. you know whatever and it it grows and and but then the time invested into the relationship has grown as well and so then it starts to get really hard to sort out that's a really good way to describe it It, it's a difficult thing and um you know we're we're obviously our topic on this podcast is divorce but we're talking about domestic violence as well which goes hand in hand for a lot of situations for sure in this story yeah I've never been married I've never had an engagement or like really been in a relationship where I thought oh this could could go to marriage you know I've been with people that I thought oh that's maybe in the future but it's never actually been like a thing okay we're doing this I'm very um touchy about it don't know if I really want to get married and I know I'm aware enough of my own issues that I know that's fear-based because mm. I've seen enough of it go wrong mm-hmm. and is that fear of like what if it does go wrong or what if what if somebody changes or you know just it, it's scary it's a hard thing and also my generation is like it, it's it's statistics that less people are getting married now it's not needed women don't need to be married to get a mortgage or to have that um, protection in the way they once did women can be fully self-sufficient and it's not really a necessity like it once was so less mm-hmm. people are getting married now um, but I think for a lot of people there's a fear of like 
what if it does go wrong like how difficult is it and obviously you've decided to get married again so what was it that came up when you were dating your now husband who's Mm -hmm. amazing and I love him (laughs) what was it that made you feel safe that you were going to go okay I'm going to try it again and how was your marriage different to what it was the first time Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good question um Hmm. I would say that I, I went into this I pretty eyes wide open about the things that went wrong the first time. And like I said, I spent that seven years. I think a lot of people fall into the trap of I just I need to be with someone or I want to be with someone. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, you know, and that's when you see like just multiple failed marriages because you kind of just wash, rinse, repeat. You just keep going into the same pattern and so we spent a lot of time early on we met online um there's been an evolution for that that's that's a really normal thing to do now but when I was younger it was like why would you need to meet someone online yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I had to kind of overcome that I literally threw my phone across a room one time I was just like can you see me stranger oh goodness but um and you do need to be careful online yeah Yeah, everybody be be careful out there there's a whole tv show catfish is about (laughs) being careful online be careful online yeah but um but yeah we vetted each other and and um the beginning of our relationship is funny it wasn't you know, like when you meet someone and you're dating and it's like, well, what's your favorite color and your song? What kind of music do you like? Blah, 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 you're right. Um, and we were just like immediately like, well, what went wrong in your first marriage? Love and that. What, how do you feel about this issue? Yeah. And how would you handle this kind of conflict? I think that's and, so smart. I love the phrase you just used, we vetted each other. <laughs> I think that's so important. Couples need to do that. Yeah. Like we, we talked earlier about like, okay, well, before you get married, you need to see, like, how do you handle a fight? How do you handle yeah. conflict resolution? How does somebody respond when they don't get their way? But, like, yeah. those are big questions. And I actively try and do that now, you know, when I'm dating. And I've run a couple of people off. This is intense. First date. So what are your ancestral traumas? Or how do you feel about this massively, like, heated issue? And I've had to learn to be a bit more, like okay we can balance it yeah. between like start you know, with favorite color favorite color no. and also how do you feel about corporal punishment that, you know like <laughs> you don't have to just like you know vet someone like they're the next vice president but um I think there's a balance needed there sure you can't be too fluffy let's go to the carnival and everything's just great and then yeah we get married and then you're like oh holy shit we know nothing about each Life other hits. and you know I think it's also a red flag which was why I had to like check myself and not behave that way all the time um if someone's too intense and doesn't have any lightness to them to me that is a red flag as well yeah. you can't be heavy duty all the time it, as you said earlier it's a dance yeah. you've got it's got to be that mix and it's different for each couple and each person but i agree with you that vetting somebody is so important you know you've got to get to get to know the person i'm particularly grateful to, to have had a mother who taught me as a young girl and then a young woman and as an adult what red flags were mm. um she worked with a woman my mother's a psychologist and and worked with many uh, married couples and, and women and, and different people um and she worked with a, an amazing lady who wrote a book called women who love psychopaths mm. and it was very uh, early uh, introduction to me in, in my life mm-hmm. um that was terrible grammar the way I phrased that but whatever you know it was introduced <laughs> to me early on there yeah, we go there I'll get go. there um and she taught me what a red flag was mm. just that phrase you know as a young woman who you know I had my first boyfriend or relationship when I was like 14 15 and it, you know it wasn't anything serious like we weren't moving in together but you know she was like okay you're dating you're in a relationship you're at the time where you're gonna maybe fall in love 
here's what you need to know. And I am so grateful that she did that because as a 25 going on 26 year old woman now, I feel so prepared for things that I am glad I haven't missed, Mm -hmm. you know? And I use my mum as a sounding board. Mm -hmm. Mum, this situation came up, I feel a bit weird about it. What's your take? Um, And it's so good. And I am so grateful to have that community with my... um, my tribe and I've got great women in my tribe but I've also got great men in my tribe I've got you know my best friend um from high school who we've been best friends with for you know 12 years my best friend Brad I'm constantly going what do you think about this like you know using him as a sounding getting getting different getting feedback yeah that's so important and I'll tell you that's one thing that I feel so passionate I have five daughters and um when I first stepped away you know I I thought the kids were just going to be like, you know, I can't believe my parents are getting divorced. Can't believe. Mm. And my older daughters who went through so much of this um, with me um, said, what took you so long? Wow, really? Isn't it amazing what how took you children so long? have such a perspective that... I we, thought I was protecting them yeah, from, you know, by so staying much. together. I'm gonna, we're going to stay together for you. And they're like, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get me out of here. Yeah. And so, um, so by standing up... And them watching me um, survive breaking away um, has made them very strong. And we have lots of open, candid um, conversations, just like what you're describing with your mom. That's such a treasure. Yeah. Um, for what are the red flags? What yeah. are the things you need to look out for? Yeah. That this is not good behavior. And it seems like a little thing. Mm-hmm. But it can grow into a real big thing. Yeah, but how how much of an iceberg is below the surface? Exactly. It might seem like a little thing. Right. But you have no idea what that's really alluding to or what's going to come from that. You know, right. these red flags. Um, I had a situation, It was. Um, it, you made me think of it when you said about, you know, someone who threatens to mm-hmm. hurt your animals. Mm-hmm. I had a really weird situation. I, I was just beginning to date a guy in L.A., that I didn't know super super well it was, it was very early on and um I had a kitten who was like a little bit like rambunctious whatever and she she'd scratched me on the arm and he said oh if she does that again I'm gonna hurt her and it was so it creeped Shh. me out I was like okay let's dissect this and I don't even really know you why are you being so weirdly protective of me? She's a freaking, like, small, tiny, yeah. six-month-old kitten. Why is that your response that you're going to hurt her? Like, And I broke up with him. But good. And, and it's funny because I have quite a, like, um, fear factor mm-hmm. when it comes to stuff like that. I'm just like, I'm, in case you're really violent, I'm not going to say to you, well, I didn't like that you said that about my kitten, so I'm not going to, like, date you anymore. I just was made it up about something else. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? I'm, I just really am not in a place to date right now, and I just want to be respectful yeah. and tell you. Because I'm also smart enough to know... A violent person is... That that might be a really violent right. person, and I don't need I don't need to check his ego. No. If I'm... Here's what I want to say to women, and I, I would tell every woman this all the time. If you're leaving a relationship, and let's say it's a romantic one you've decided that there's no more you have no obligation to like help heal that person Mm -hmm. or or give them feedback Mm -hmm. why do you care the only time you should do that is if you're like hey I want to be with you I want to work this out I need to give you this evaluation so we can grow and be Mm -hmm. better if you're out of there Mm -hmm. there's no need to like 
tell them well you know it really hurt me when you did this and this because that gives them a chance to grow all you're doing is like helping them change for the next person doesn't benefit you sounds really selfish but it i just really believe well in and in particulars of in particular when you're dealing with violence that's what i mean the statistics yeah. on how many times the person leaves the violence um relationship and comes back yeah i think it's like nine times don't quote me on that but it's it's a lot right yeah it's like they leave and come back and leave and come back and leave and come back before they actually break free yeah and that's exactly how it's like you're trying to love and help this person too and i think and it's not helping it's an enabling codependent relationship is what it is and that's not helping anyone just be strong and go and to be a bit selfish as women throughout the generations and the centuries we've been conditioned to be polite my god the things i could list to you of like what i've done instead of being called a bitch or to not be considered rude is insane mm-hmm. you know how many times i could have just been so within my right to tell someone you know what i really thought and and just you know be what could be considered selfish but instead i was like well you know just being like a delicate little flower about it is ridiculous and you don't you don't want to be really jaded and and you know a man hater or sure. anything like that but women need to, to to be so certain of their value that they mm-hmm. don't stick up stick around for this you know crap mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. um so i've i feel like my my red flag radar is, is pretty good good and some people have would maybe think like oh well you know you left that a bit early or you didn't give someone a chance it's like no nope, i can see i can foresee what's coming and yeah and i just would love more more young women to to even hear the phrase red flag or like know what that means and to have that um tribe and sounding board of Mm -hmm. just you know older wiser women who have been through things and men too yeah to go do you know what i've been through something similar and here's what it led to for me or i think that's something you can should consider because there's so many young women and I do, but I do see it evolving and getting getting better. But mm-hmm. you know, who stay in things or who who miss red flags don't even know that it's a red flag in the beginning. Or if they do, excuse it and stay in these situations, and that's that's what leads yeah. to violent relationships. It's a good word. It's a good word. And and um, yeah, let's teach our daughters. Let's yes. know ourselves and and teach the people in our communities. And kind of along those lines too. Then, um, especially if you're coming out of. Um, out of a violent situation or any marriage, but in particular violence, because part of what goes along with violence mm-hmm. is isolation. Um, a big thing that I just want to share that I had to do was I had to be really humble mm-hmm. and I had to be really open because it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm a strong woman and I had to say, I, I'm i in a terrible situation I and help. I need help. And, and not just like, you know, I mean, I went to first step, but um, I just started letting like my family and my friends and my community mm. and people know what was really going on with me. And you know what? They came around. They came yeah. in droves. People just came and came and came and came. And, and our housing issue was, was solved. I mean, at first it was really scary. I was so scared. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I couldn't even watch a movie. I mean, mm. usually you can watch a movie, you know, no matter what's going on. I couldn't focus. Mm. It was, it was terrifying. Mm. But help came and people came and there were days where I was tired and I didn't want people in my life mm-hmm. and I didn't want to talk about how I was doing, but I yeah. needed the help mm-hmm. and my kids needed the help. And um, so I do just want to encourage people to humble yourself, mm-hmm. share it's your okay story, to say I need help. get help because as you go kind of low with that, mm-hmm. 
and you let people enter into your pain, your story, and and you get the help that you need, you grow back out of that strong, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so... It's like a phoenix rises from the ashes. It's absolutely that. Mm-hmm. And so I see my kids have so much really strong faith. You know, God doesn't just hate divorce. He doesn't hate the dissolving of a marriage. He hates the shredding of human hearts mm. that leads to divorce. I mean, yeah. that had already yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So the so the dissolving of a marriage is not what what God hates, mm-hmm. you know. People yeah. staying in a marriage and continuing yeah. to be yeah. completely shredded and yeah. and brutalizing mm-hmm. each other and hating each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's not honoring to God. No. You know, and so and that's it's not something I've to had the to, commitment that you've made. To the commitment, to the children that you may be staying yeah. together for. Yeah. There's a lot of lies that need mm-hmm. The light shone on yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, people, whether it's, you know, women, I think maybe our minds go to, like, worrying about the woman more um, than the, the man in a, in a mm. heterosexual marriage, like, mm-hmm. of, of worrying, like, are they going to be okay? Like, we mm-hmm. kind of think, oh, men will be fine, you know, because <laughs> men in some most respects have an easier walk through life in this world mm-hmm. than women. Um, women maybe have to watch their backs more. But I think a lot of women are afraid will I be okay after if I choose divorce like what will my life look like after Mm -hmm. and I you just have such a phenomenal success story that's not been without hardship but of Mm -hmm. of rebuilding your life of you know and your kids aren't afraid of marriage you know you've got children that are happy to be married and want to get married and have loving partners and yeah they've not been stained or gone oh I'm never doing that you know but it is such a possibility and you're such an example and a such a torch for that of of you are you're okay so many women and i know them are in marriages that and this is not a judgment but shouldn't be in Mm -hmm. there's no love left whether it's violent or not they're oppressed they don't have their own identity whatever the situation is really they would probably be better off not being in them but they're so afraid of i've put 20 30 years in this is my identity. Yeah. I don't even know people outside of my family that knew me with my maiden name. Yeah. Everyone in my life and community knows me as a married woman. I maybe haven't worked for a decade or two. What would I do? What would I do? And it's so, when you think about that and really sit in that, that is a scary thought. How yeah. would you start again? It's like this unknown. Yeah. It's probably just as scary as moving to a new country with no, no family sure. and friends and, and having to learn a new language. Like, but it's worth it if you are going to have your own identity back. And again, you're such an amazing example of, mm. of restarting your life and having a life anew, you know. And it's not without fear. It's not without hard work. But, you know, it's worth worth it if you can have that um, personal triumph, you know, mm-hmm. for your own story. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when we're talking about a situation or a marriage ending that is because of violence you know you do have to get practical like you said of I have to leave I have to have cash stashed away I have to have you know phone you know a bag packed in case I've got to get out right now you know does the car have gas in it you scary things that people have to think about Mm -hmm. you know that's that was obviously its own situation versus you know I have a peaceful partner and we're just going to sign papers and, you know, do alimony and just leave sort of nicely. Like it's obviously mm-hmm. there's, there's degrees of severity mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to divorce. Um, but would you say, you know, being a woman that's originally thought you didn't want to get divorced and you wanted to honor your commitment, but now you've gone through it. Mm-hmm. Are you glad you did? Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. I'm so glad that I did because, um, 
in, in particular, I was, I was working on growing as a human, but in so many ways was also stagnating and spending lots and lots and lots of energy on, I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's? I haven't, no, but I know it. Okay, well, they're just dragging this dead body around and pretending like he's alive so they can stay like at his wealthy house or I can't remember the plot of the movie. But for some reason that popped in my mind because that was my marriage. Mm. And um, I, I prayed for a word because we were separated for a while before, I, you know, I thought maybe we should be separated for a long time and then he'll have his, you know, healing experience and mm. then we'll go through counseling and, mm. and we'll get back together and stay yeah. married. So there was that season of like stepping apart but not not sure about divorce and I spent some really a lot of time in prayer trying to figure out am I supposed to just stay infinitely separated or am I clear for divorce here and like Mm. sever this tie move on I fasted and prayed for three days and on the third day and I that's not normal for me by the way that's not my mo I'm I'm a pretty middle of the road and and love food but um, but I was so desperate for clarity, right. I guess, in that particular instance, and and so you'd do anything at that point. I would. I was just like I, you know, that was my mountaintop, you know, Gandhi, whatever. I was like, I needed to hear the Lord, and so um, and I did. On the third day, I heard um, death and burial, mm-hmm. and somehow that like kind of that not weekend at Bernie's exactly, but just that like it was already dead, mm-hmm. and I'd been dragging it around and it's putting all this energy into something that was dead and so I was just like you just have a finite amount of energy and it wasn't for like growing and healing the children or growing and healing myself or even growing and healing my ex it was just like it was yeah just trying to medicate and dress Mm -hmm. up something that was dead yeah and so bury it Mm -hmm. and then what's implied from death and burial is resurrection like you said with the Mm -hmm. phoenix you know it was Mm -hmm. like the new life couldn't come out until that until the burial and so that was just transformative Mm -hmm. in so many ways not only for me but for the children Mm -hmm. started to heal there was just there were physical illnesses that came out of the stress mm. of what we had gone through. Oh, I so believe that like emotional mm-hmm. um, warfare manifests in physical in physical ailments. Yes, hundred percent. I totally believe yes. in that. You mind. touched on that yeah. with, with Boston in your first podcast. Yes. Of like yes, that mind body connection mm-hmm. is so real. So real. Do you now in your in your current marriage? Mm-hmm. Do you have a mindset of well, I'm living proof that anything could happen this could end in divorce or do you feel differently now do you feel like this is gonna last or do you still in any way operate in that fearful mindset of like well don't know you know anything could happen or or how do you feel now about your marriage yeah that um you know I would say that definitely that's that's in the back of my mind it's Mm -hmm. it's been my experience anything can happen Mm -hmm. you know and I am definitely you know really aware of it I'm I'm not the idealistic teenager I once was Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, um, yeah, a road wise middle-aged woman, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I would say because of that, you know, that made the vetting process, uh, you know, really much more intense. It wasn't, do we like the same music? Do we Mm -hmm. like the same movies? It was like, can we approach life in the same way? And how Mm -hmm. are we going to handle conflict? I would say that we both bought, we both brought, and he has a previous marriage as well, um, baggage mm-hmm. and so I mean we all have that we have it from our childhoods and friendships and yeah. all kinds of things but you know when you bring it in from a marriage as well um, that made our first year quite difficult I would say I in particular because mine was so intense mm-hmm. there was lots of times where I was just triggered mm-hmm. and I was seeing him through the lens of my ex mm-hmm. and 
and we've had to do lots of like combat healing Mm. if that doesn't sound like an oxymoron but it's like in the midst of combat sort of like stop and look at this and sit and him say I'm I'm assuming that you're trying to hurt me and he's saying I'm not trying to hurt you I'm on your side mm, but that takes time doesn't it, it it has taken a lot of time it's taken a lot of you know kind of arguments and misunderstanding mm-hmm. and you have mm-hmm. to kind of let the emotions cool down and then come back and look at take the time yeah. to come back and look at yes. it again yeah um, but fortunately you know the man that I fell in love with and I'm married to this time um, is very committed to that. So mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time kind of processing. And so, you know, first marriage, it's there's that honeymoon period where you haven't hurt each other very much and you're in love and it's a new marriage. And so there's the honeymoon and, and just everything's wonderful and you don't have that many responsibilities yet. And I would say the converse is true for my second marriage, that we came into it very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like we loved each other and we had vetted mm-hmm. and we knew that we wanted to be there, but it's been really, really hard mm-hmm. first year. So the honeymoon came later. So now we're kind of just working into the honeymoon. Yeah, That's right. That's right. That's awesome. And where we're like, okay, this yeah. is really you. This okay, is we really can me. settle in now. It's sort of like yeah. the boxing gloves can come off a little bit. I think it needs to be a balance. As And as speaking as someone who, you know, is open to the potential of marriage, I don't think like oh yeah that's absolutely what I want where are you future husband it's like you know okay if that came up I would consider it but it's got to be a balance of you you don't want to be like I have been in the past of just nope 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 too fearful don't want to do it don't want to do it scary um and then being too oh it's going to be great and not being aware that's right you know it's as you say it's that middle of the road you know um not naive not fear of commitment yeah exactly You, you know everything in life is a spectrum um and you know basic physics is when you you know bring the pendulum up really high on one end it's got to swing a couple of times before it settles in the middle and when you've been through something like you have that's so intense Mm -hmm. you're not just gonna go okay great found a new husband lovely life you know it's Mm. gonna be like like battle and then you get to the point (laughs) where you're like okay with the pendulum slowing down yes and eventually it's gonna settle in the middle and and it's gonna Mm -hmm. be peaceful but you know life is not easy um and it's never just this this smooth road Mm -hmm. um you know, and, and those people who are lucky to have a partner who's like, all right, well, you know, if I've got to put my bucks and gloves on, then, you know, I'm, I'm committed to the fight in, in a beautiful way. But the beautiful thing about, you know, coming together as two broken people, um, I love this visual. Some Somebody said to me a long time ago is that a lot of broken pieces can make a really beautiful mosaic. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't want to write someone off because they've got baggage. Um, you know, baggage can turn into you know the beautiful furnishings of of a home and Mm -hmm. cracked pieces of of the you know the vase can become this you know beautiful mosaic and a Mm -hmm. new art piece which you know is like what you're talking about this new life that's come from the ashes so you want to you know have that balance of you don't want to vet someone to the point through a skewed mindset that you write them off and miss something really great Mm -hmm. but you want to be really smart that you're not in a getting into a situation that's you know dangerous for you that's right that's right there's so many things I mean there's we all have things mm-hmm. everyone so if you're looking yeah. for that perfect person you're going to be alone exactly you are going to be alone you have to have some baggage which is not you know. a terrible thing either i mean yeah. get okay with being alone yeah, you yeah. know and work on you and 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 love yourself yes um and figure out who you are yeah. so you got something to bring to yeah. the table but like you said um and i love kind of going back to what your mom said and what i'm trying to do with my daughters is figure out what those red flags are figure out what the deal breakers are because mm-hmm. we all have kind of those things mm-hmm. you know yeah. and 
and and a lot of them mm-hmm. yeah you can just work with it and, learn and you to can love find it out those things be being pretty. alone mm-hmm. you can when you're alone you can find out okay what are my what deal are my things and what are my deal breakers what, what are my hard nose and flexibles and and my you know my red flags what's a red flag for me right um and you no one as you said is perfect you can't come without baggage like another fun analogy is like if you're going for a weekend you still take an overnight bag like you can be as <laughs> the fat trimmed as much as you can as a person and you know be as as gandhi as you want even though he's got some skeletons in his closet again no one's perfect <laughs> yeah not but even you still him. gotta bring a toothbrush overnight everyone's bringing something to something. the table you know it's it's true that's right. what would you say for somebody uh who's maybe in a marriage who's wanting to get out or who is going through divorce Mm -hmm. what would what would your advice be to those people Mm. um well you're brave so even though you feel scared and um even though you feel broken and even though you feel unlovable i would like to say that you are in fact very brave and you are lovable and I'm sure you're loved. Look for the people who are loving you through that. Keep your circle small. You know, there we as a society can kind of vulture frenzy feed off of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not healthy. Because yeah. divorce is a marathon. It's not just signing papers and moving on. There's a whole big long process of coming to it and getting through the act of it and getting on the other side of it. So you need a small, safe loving circle Mm -hmm. of people and and more than one Mm -hmm. because it's too much for one person you can really burn out a best friend Mm -hmm. or a parent or a child Mm -hmm. an adult child Mm -hmm. um yeah so so small circle Mm -hmm. of good support and love yourself real well Mm -hmm. and don't don't turn the hatred in on yourself and then the other really important piece of my my journey was forgiving him because not for I mean there was real real reasons to be very upset even now and but that just made me sick Mm -hmm. that just poisoned me that just poisoned my kids and so truly working and there again that was not a a one-time thing that was kind of over and over and over choosing I'm gonna forgive I'm gonna gonna let it go I'm gonna let it go and that ushered in my healing you know it's something that I have to choose my words really carefully with my children and really work hard to facilitate a good relationship he's their dad Mm -hmm. he's always going to be their dad they're always going to love him even if he makes bad choices Mm -hmm. and it just only hurts kids if if you speak poorly about Mm -hmm. their parent yeah don't don't even if it's true don't bash the other person forgive them they're not the kids are not you know that's not their husband Mm -hmm. and if you're speaking badly about your husband or your wife you're talking about them as your spouse but that to that person the kids you know that's not their relationship right so they're going to get confused and that's that's weight on their hearts that they don't need i would second that of you know don't whether and and that's whether you're in a marriage that you're not planning to leave you know don't talk badly about your partner to your children yeah because you're talking about them in regards to a relationship that does not correlate to the child that's a great way to put it yeah for sure for sure yeah but on the flip side of that i will say that one thing that I've been careful to do is um, a little bit of like red flag behavior coaching as well because they're going to have a relationship with a violent person. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to them more about like he did this, he said this, 
And like, if you, you know, watch out for this kind of behavior or draw this kind of healthy boundary, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to talk to me that way. I don't want you to touch me that way. I need to, you know, be by myself right now or whatever those boundaries are. I think it's so important to teach children to have healthy boundaries with someone that they uh, has authority over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of gone that route. Yeah, consent, you know? boundaries, that's all right. of these that's right. important things. That's right. Well, I cannot thank you enough for sharing <laughs> your incredible story. You've been so brave and so open, and I'm just I'm, I'm grateful to hear it. And I know this thank is going to be you. impactful to a lot of people. Thank you for letting me share. Of course, it's been amazing. You. Thank you so much. follow us across social media using the tag let's be honest the podcast and tune in next week for a very special episode bye